women are not just small men. Yet for some reason, when it comes to women's health, we're treated like men. Our bodies are not the same. And no, I'm not making a political statement here. I'm trying to help you feel better. Take control of your health. And today is part two of a conversation with Dr. Renee Wellenstein, gynecologist and functional medicine doctor. We're continuing to solve the mystery of low libido and adrenal fatigue. In today's podcast, we discuss hormone imbalance, toxins, the role of testosterone, estrogen dominance, what alcohol really does to our hormones, and the benefits of sex. Like last week, this convo is not really meant for little ears. I'm glad you're joining us again today on the Healthy Harmony Podcast. Welcome. This is the Healthy Harmony Podcast. I'm Jennifer Pickett, dietitian turned functional medicine health coach. I help spiraling moms overcome the overwhelm through functional wellness coaching for the body, mind, and soul so they can transform their health and live a deeply fulfilled life of freedom and harmony. Okay, let's get real. When it comes to your health, you know what to do. I help you make the shift from knowing to actually doing. The last 25 years of experience have taught me that the absolute last thing a woman needs is a lecture about self-care and another unrealistic diet plan. I recognize the importance of compassionate and intentional health practices so you can feel good. Because guess what? When you feel good, you are more likely to make better decisions for your health. If you're ready to take control of your complete health, address the obstacles standing in your way, and live a life of freedom and harmony, my friend, you're in the right place. As promised, I like to feature reviews for the Healthy Harmony podcast. This one is from Francine Riviera, and this five-star review is entitled, So Informative. She writes, so much great info broken down into understandable segments. If you want to work on your health, this is a must listen. Thank you, Francine. I really appreciate that review. Now, why don't you follow Francine's lead and click the subscribe button and leave a rating and a review. I would really help it. And it helps me bring on fantastic guests to help empower and encourage you. We are joined again by Dr. Renee Wellenstein. She is a functional medicine physician and a gynecologist. As you heard her story in part one, you see how her tremendous health struggles led her to become the tremendous doctor she is today. Dr. Renee is known as a libidoologist and she is the host of The Real Heal, one of my favorite podcasts. She helps busy professional women take their health, fitness and lives to the next level so they can feel amazing. Please welcome back Dr. Renee. All right, we are back. Part two, if you missed last week, Dr. Renee Wellenstein really talked about her story and her struggle and what she's been through. If you suffer from adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction, then you have got to go back and um, listen to that podcast 
It will inspire you. It will encourage you. It will empower you. It's exactly what you need to hear. So I'm really excited. We get to continue the conversation. And Dr. Renee, you're back. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. So fun. So we're just continuing the conversation today. I love how we are just getting to the heart of where women struggle. So I want us to talk more about hormone imbalance and what women are struggling with. Now, you're a very busy woman and you help a lot of different women. Uh, So tell us, what do you see women struggling with the most when it comes to hormone imbalance? Well, um, you know, I feel like uh, what I started talking about across all social media platforms and across the internet last year was low libido. And I think that's a huge struggle for women. That's It's actually very complex. Hormone imbalance is actually one of the causes. There's other causes. But I came out publicly um, to talk about this because it was a topic when I was a conventional OBGYN that I really didn't have a good treatment for. Um, in conventional gynecology, you know, we didn't have that perfect medication. Cause again, conventionally trained, I was taught to, you come in to see me. I take all your symptoms. I put them in a diagnosis box and I throw a medication on it and out the door you go. And nothing that, I mean, I, I don't bad talk any of my colleagues. That's how we're trained. And I'm married to a physician that does that, but he's in the hospital. So he's saving mm-hmm. your life to do that. But yes, um, you know, there's a time and a place for that. And you know, I found that I didn't have a good answer for women with low libido because I didn't really have that magic pill. And so for my 20 plus years of working with women, I've really been baffled by low libido because for 15 of those years when I was in um, OBGYN conventionally, like I would essentially crouch down in my chair when someone would say, oh, doctor, I have low libido. I'm like, oh, like I hate this topic. Like, what do I do? What do I do with this person? Because, you know, we're in the helping industry. Like we are supposed to help people. They were supposed to walk out the door with a prescription. And um, I didn't have that from majority of the women that would complain about it. What was interesting is as I transitioned into functional medicine, I was really intrigued by this because I, for four years of my, in my brick and mortar, I actually worked with men as well. And I saw this huge difference between men and women as far as libido and, it really got me studying libido more in women and like what works, what doesn't work. Um, and I found that, you know, testosterone is not the answer for women. Number one, all women, I should say it's, and I'm not saying that it's not beneficial for women. I'm just saying it's not the end all be all for libido. Mm-hmm. And number two, we're so complex, and not, to, not, not negatively, <laughs> yes. but like we we're in a good way. We're complex. We're like men, they usually have low testosterone, which is causing their low libido. Fix that. You give a, you got a new man, like on so many levels. It affects his energy, his uh, emotions, his muscle, lean muscle mass, like all of it. Like you give him one hormone replacement. It's like a night, night and day. I didn't see that with women. And so it really got me studying this. And so um, I do think that is one of them. I have to say, like, I always say the women come to me with what they ca- I call the triple threat. It's always weight gain, which is can be hormone imbalance, stress, which can lead to a hormone imbalance and low libido. And um, hormones are involved in all of them. Obviously. I mean, just it's, 
And I think we know, like we know something else is going on. But I mean, these are the things that take top priority. We're like, well, I'm gaining weight. Why am I gaining weight? Why can I not lose weight? And it's so very frustrating. And again, I think we just don't feel heard. No one's validating our feelings and really digging to find out what's at the root of the issue here. So you're saying that hormone imbalance is at the root of the issue. Um, why is it, why is this like low libido? Um, that That is a very, very taboo subject. So why is that such a taboo subject? Well, number one, doctors don't want to talk about it. Like I never wanted to, because we don't have a great solution. Number one, we don't have a great pill to fix it, right? There's no magic pill out there. I'm sorry to say they're, they're constantly coming out with these pills. And when I look what they're for, like we're, we're actually trying to treat women like men. Like we're not men. And we're not. Yeah. We're not. Like it's not a blood flow issue to the the pelvic tissues. It's it's a lot of times starting up in the head. I hate to say it, but that's you know where we start. Whereas men, it starts below the belt, right? So like we are not men. So a lot of these studies coming out and and prior to recently, there were no studies on women, like none. I see it coming out a little bit more, but you know, women are really hard to study because we cycle. Like we can't we're not very well controlled. So like we're very hard to do a study on, but I do see an effort being made a, a little bit more as far as like really trying to look into why women have a low libido. And I do love the fact that so many more people are coming out like myself. I mean, not many, but I have seen a few to talk about the things. Again, I said in the last episode, the things that aren't sexy, like mindset, huge yeah. foundational yeah. for libido in women, like huge. And so And I always talk about when we talk about hormones, like that's the icing on the cake. A lot of times the foundational work that we do to address your mindset, to help with your communication, to, you know, deal with your stress, try to address toxins in your life. um, And, you know, obviously address your, your nutrition, your diet, those all will naturally correct many times, correct hormone imbalances. And so you know, and I say the icing on the cake with the hormones, because at the end of the day, you know, every woman out there doesn't need a hormone to fix her libido. Like that, that's just not feasible. Like that's just, that doesn't make sense, you know? There's so, not a quick fix, right? No, no. I mean, some women, a hormone replacement of some sort, whether it be a female or a male will help certain aspects, but it's not, again, not the end all be all. So, you know, we have to look at the the layers of the onion, peel back the layers and find out like, okay, foundationally, this is what we work on. We kind of come out and put the onion back together to the point where on the outside, if there's any imbalances of the hormones left, then we take care of those. So important. So how is hormone imbalance playing into low libido and what do we do about it? Yeah, um, I can talk about like, you know, the interesting thing, let me talk about testosterone a little bit. Okay. Um, the interesting observation that I had back in the day that, and again, you can tell I talk, I think about this subject all day, every day for like 20 years because it was such a challenge to me, but I would have a woman come into my office, 25 years old, optimal hormones. Like you'd think like, oh gosh, she's cycling. They're regular. Like her life is great. Mm-hmm. No libido. None. None. Not on the birth control pill, which we know uh, will affect your libido. Nothing. And I was like, huh. And then I would have a 75-year-old who should, I, I put quotes around that, should have a low libido, right? Because that's what we're told. She comes in and says, Doc, I met this new partner. It's great. We're having sex every other day or every day, three times a day, whatever. And I'm like, whoa, wait. In my mind, in my conditioning as an OBGYN, you're not supposed to want sex. 
And you 25 year old, you're supposed to want like, what is going on here? Yeah. And so that's really when I started questioning testosterone because the 75 year old woman is very low in testosterone as well as her female hormones if she's not getting repleted. And the 25 year old has beautiful hormone levels, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Like, so what, what, what is it? It's not a testosterone issue. And so, you know, throughout my, my training and, you know, research, I should say of, of functional medicine and like what deep down is causing this, what I have found again, aside from the underlying, like the mindset and the communication issues, which we talked a lot about in the last episode when it came to your adrenals, which again, adrenal health is also huge and foundational and, and another hormone imbalance that you can have that leads to, to low libido. As far as female hormones, the biggest one I see is estrogen dominance. Okay. So, you know, estrogen dominance can be, so females have two main hormones, estrogen and progesterone. We do have testosterone. It's one-tenth of what a male, man, man's testosterone is. However, we are very sensitive to that testosterone. So we don't need a lot to actually feel the effects. But, you know, let's focus on estrogen, progesterone, since those are our main hormones. And, you know, they cycle throughout the month. One goes up, you know, progesterone peaks mid-cycle. If you are still cycling, you know, progesterone stays high in the second half of your menstrual cycle, then both estrogen and progesterone fall right before your period. And we get this beautiful cycle every month. The problem is, and where I see the problem lies with many women, is when the balance between the estrogen and progesterone is off. And a lot of times this is what we call, you know, when we refer to a hormone imbalance, this is a big one because it can be au naturel. So a lot of women, I would say mid 30s to early 50s, when you're in that perimenopausal phase of life, which again is very taboo for a lot of women, why we don't talk about it, it's because it's, you know, no one wants to talk about it. Um, it's, it, it makes us feel inferior that we're perimenopausal, that we're aging. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a whole nother podcast. It is, it is. Um, but my point is, you know, that is when we kind of have an, a natural estrogen dominance in that our ovaries are making lots of estrogen to thicken the lining, but we may not be what we call ovulating every month. And that's when you release the egg and that release of the egg is what actually increases your progesterone. So if you're a woman out there who is starting to have those irregular cycles, so you're having a cycle either every two weeks, 14 days, which is really short, or over say 40, you know, 35 days is actually the normal, but I would say 42, 50, 60, or a few months, you probably are not ovulating and you might be a little estrogen dominant. So that is the physiologic, like quote unquote normal. Um, But what I am finding is there are a lot of women out there that had estrogen dominance, not necessarily related to what their ovaries are doing. And it's coming from um, a lot of times from endocrine disrupting chemicals out there, like to- like personal care products and plastics um, are disrupting our hormones and, and, and chemicals and food, like you know hormones and food. So what these are essentially doing is they're acting like estrogens and our body sees them as estrogens but our body's not producing them. They're getting exposed to them, but we're still getting all the the symptoms of estrogen dominance, which usually includes um, excess body weight. You, you can't, you're gaining weight, <laughs> kind of a common theme from our last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you um, are really moody. <laughs> this is, I see a lot. Like you're, you're like, I don't know why I keep lashing out at my husband. Um, I, I just, I just can't stand him, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I, I love him, but I can't stand him. Well, that's probably your hormones because 
Estrogen is what makes us beautiful women. It gives us our hips and our lush lips and all the things, but like too much of it makes us cranky. <laughs> a, a monster, a monster, monster. right? Yeah. And <laughs> so I don't, want to, I don't want to demonize estrogen, but too much of it can definitely make us on the spectrum of like beauty. Like yes. Evil. Um, and, you know, I think, and obviously the menstrual issues, like if you find that your periods are heavier, crampier, um, maybe more frequent, um, again, this could be an estrogen dominant pitcher. And, um, so, I mean, I feel like that is the biggest one that I see out there again, you know, this could also be, a um, not a dominant picture, but an imbalanced picture could also be related to what we talked about in the last episode with adrenal fatigue, mm-hmm. because in producing the stress hormone cortisol, many times, uh, w- when we look at the hormone pathway, the precursors are the things that we use to make our female hormones and testosterone also make cortisol. So when you're super stressed, you can actually, and it actually can leave a hormone imbalance with estrogen, progesterone, because technically what usually gets robbed when they, we call it the pregnant alone steal, essentially what gets robbed to make the cortisol is usually progesterone and testosterone. So with sparing of estrogen. So that could lead again to a, a more estrogen dominant picture as well. So if you have like this exposure to lots of toxins in your life, um, the other thing is, uh, uh, a dysfunctional gut microbiome. So mm-hmm. we have lots of helpful bacteria in the gut and there are certain bacteria in the gut called the estrobilome that actually help break down our estrogens. And when we don't have, when we maybe have too much of this particular enzyme is gut bacteria, we are not getting rid of the estrogen like we we should be doing. So the liver starts by packaging up the little estrogen, ships it down to the gut. The gut, because of these bacteria and the enzyme and these bacteria should further package it up and send it on its way out into your poop. Uh, if that doesn't happen, it recirculates in your body leading to estrogen dominance. So, you know, and again, we can kind of get this like from all aspects of like, you know, the food we're eating, the chemicals we're putting in and on our body. Again, I want to just kind of highlight this for the women out there because this was me. I love makeup. I love smelling good. But ladies, those personal care products are probably disrupting your hormones. A lot of our personal care products, makeup, you know, and we probably put, I think the average is like over 500 chemicals on our, on our body a day because, you know, yeah, think about it. Like you're putting on a foundation. There's probably 30 ingredients in that, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe a, a powder, a setting powder, another 15 eyeshadow, eyeliner, mascara, lip liner, lipstick, even before that primer, moisturizer, soap, shampoo, conditioner, body lotion, like all of those things. So the chemicals in the products, as well as the fragrances can really disrupt our hormones. And we're doing that day in and day out. Yeah, so many. And I think most people don't realize, I know I, I went for a very long time without fully understanding that these chemicals contain endocrine disruptors, and that is contributing to hormone imbalance. Correct. And so I think, I think you've opened up a lot of people's eyes here. I just want to highlight one other area that I think is really pertinent after this global pandemic is alcohol. Okay, let's go there. Let's talk yeah, about it. Yeah, alcohol interferes with how your body breaks down estrogen as well. And, um, you know, just having more than one drink a day, alcoholic drink, will increase your estrogen and your cortisol. So, and I know, and I, and I say this and I want to address it because I know a lot of people, men, women, are, have all, you know, turned to alcohol. And, you know, we see a lot of men 
they start developing breasts because of high estrogen levels. And, uh, you know, women obviously start gaining weight around the midsection, uh, as the effects of the estrogen dominance. And so, um, and the interesting thing is, um, the higher your estrogen levels, the more sensitive you are to alcohol. And so what that means is that your brain, the little reward center in your brain actually gets turned on a lot more by the higher estrogen levels to alcohol. So like, it's like a vicious cycle, like the alcohol leads to the inability to break down the estrogens. And then the higher estrogens actually increases your brain's desire for more alcohol. So it's a catch 22. It's a catch 22. Yeah. That's interesting. It's yeah. So your brain is much more like in tune with the pleasure effects of the alcohol. Um, and then, and again, and this leads to addiction in women, you know, especially now after a global pandemic and all the stressors, we just want a, a glass to unwind or what leads to two leads to a couple bottles. Now, like our brain, you know, is more sensitized to the, al- to the alcohol, the wine or whatever alcoholic beverage you choose. So again, it's harder to stop because you find such pleasure in doing it. So mm-hmm. this is, this is kind of a catch 22 that we're in, um, which is further disrupting hormone imbalance or hormone balance and our libidos. Goodness. And mm-hmm. I think, and two plays a huge role with the gut microbiome, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, and fat storage, like your body metab- like will prioritize alcohol over every other macronutrient. So, you know, you're not going to be in fat burning mode when you're drinking alcohol because your body's like, oh my God, toxin alert, toxin alert. Let's like shut everything else down to just break down this alcohol, um, including your liver too. Your liver is not going to package those estrogens as nicely. Like all of it is affected by the alcohol. And I'm not, again, I'm not demonizing alcohol. I just, I just kind of want to put it in perspective that if you are struggling with this, that maybe it's an area of your life you can cut down significantly um, to see if that improves your estrogen balance. And I think just creating that awareness and and explaining why, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just, well, you don't need to drink alcohol, but like really explaining why, because I think the reality is that we get stuck in that trap of I'm trying to deal with my stress. I'm trying to calm myself down. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of women, what I'm hearing, too, is that, you know, it helps you fall asleep because it's a depre- it's a depressant and it makes you sleepy and then you fall asleep. But it's so disruptive to that good, deep, restorative sleep. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it literally is. It's just a catch 22. And so we get stuck in that cycle of caffeine to get up in the morning and drinking caffeine throughout the day. And then at night, you're so wired and tired, you're going to drink wine to help yourself relax and deal with the stress. And we get stuck in that disastrous cycle. And there's just not a whole lot of talk about it. Yeah. And so if you listen to the last episode, we can see how this is intertwined, right? Like with the stress and the adrenals and that, you know, inability to get to sleep at night, or or you have your stress, you want to drink the wine. And now with the hormone imbalance and libido, like they're all connected. And so and like you said, it does, it, it places an additional stressor on the body as well. Um, you know, you find that your cortisol levels will be higher at night, um, because of your body having to detox this alcohol, Mm, you know, like sleep is a natural detox process. You're detoxing your brain, but you don't want to place if possible. And again, I'm not demonizing anything. (laughs) I just am saying like, you know, most nights of the week, let's try to give your body, um, less stressors as far as detox and allow your body to detox whatever you've exposed it to in the environment throughout the day. And, mm-hmm. that, and that includes your brain, like the little the little street sweepers come out in your gut to like make sure you get all your undigested food particles moved along and in your brain too, like you you kind of, you actually remove toxins from your brain at night. And 
you obviously integrate thoughts and memories and all the things. So like, it's a really good time to to learn to, you know, make memories and, and actually restore your, your brain and your gut health um, when you're sleeping. So, and again, if we introduce alcohol on top of that, that's just kind of allowing or not allowing your body to do what it do, does naturally optimally. So is that where you would start? Like if we're, if we're talking about uh, what can we do right away to start improving our libido and, and, and moving towards hormone balance, where do we start? Uh, alcohol is a big one. Alcohol, okay. definitely um, try to cut down or cut out. Is, you know, And again, I'm not about, I, I think the biggest thing with working with women too is I never want them to feel that a change is hard or that they're feeling deprived. Right. Um, I just, you know, I think I, I challenge your listeners if you are drinking alcohol excessively um, or not, or don't even notice, like next time you go to get a glass of wine, ask why you're getting it. Is it to deal with a stressor in your life that you're not really dealing with? You're just numbing it with the alcohol and same with food, but like, we're just talking about alcohol right now. So like, mm-hmm. I just challenge, like, is, are you having it? Cause you, you're mindful of the fact that you're pouring that glass of wine cause you want to drink it. Great. But if you're drink pouring it and saying, I've had a, I'm tired. I want to de-stress. Um, I, I don't want to deal this. with my husband. I deserve this. I question that and say, you know, if that's happening most nights, like, could you do something else that's actually celebrating your body? Like going and taking a walk or sitting and reading a book with, even some kombucha instead, you know, like mm-hmm. celebrate with some, some really kombucha good. Kombucha you know. in a wine glass. Exactly. I do that all the time. So, um, you know, watch for the added sugar in the kombucha, by the way. But yeah. I do think it's it's really nice little, if you want a treat, there you go. You got your kombucha. And again, I'm not saying every night, but if you're you're reaching for that glass of whatever alcoholic beverage it is, more times than not, stop and ask yourself why. And start addressing so that. Yeah. And so I do think that's a, a huge intervention at a baseline, especially now, um, because I do think that a lot of people are turning to it for that comfort for, I mean, everyone was lonely for over 20 months now. Like everyone, like yes. we, women, especially we thrive, we, we survive and thrive on connection. And we've really not had that. I mean, men as well, but I, I work with women. So um, I think that we've replaced that connection with food and alcohol and, now I, I just, you know, we're coming into 2022. I really would encourage everyone just kind of pull back and say like, what do you want to happen differently in your life in 2022? And if you're not feeling your best and your libido's low and you think you have estrogen issues, well, start with potentially cutting down on the alcohol and and definitely addressing why you're drinking it excessively if you feel like it's excessive. Because a lot of people don't even know. It's like habit. You know, a lot of people have formed a habit. Um, it is. It's a habit. It is a habit and it, it's, then it just becomes a part of your life. And then that reward center, like we were talking about in our brain is just like, oh, this is wine time, you know, like time to get my wine. And eventually what happens is that it becomes harder for you to resist that wine because it feels so good. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then, and, and again, like any habit, it's, you got to, you know, again, try to reverse it in, with small little baby steps, but that kombucha in a wine glass definitely helps. <laughs> I love that you said small baby steps. I think that's so important, especially as we're talking to women, because we just get so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those health changes feel so overwhelming. Oh, my goodness, where do I start? And so we need to start simply. 
you know, and that's why I love the way you speak to women. Um, So is there anything else that you want to share with us with regard to libido? First of all, you know, we talk about libido, but I think a lot of women are like, well, why, like, why is that important? Okay, Dr. Renee, like, why is my libido even important? Like, I've never liked sex or like, what are the benefits of sex besides obviously creating babies? What are the benefits of sex? Yeah, we need sex. Yeah, I'm going to get into that. But I just want to say for your listeners, like if you, I I don't ever want someone to feel bad. Like I don't want sex and I don't care about it. That's fine. Like I'm not here to talk about that to you because Mm -hmm. there are definitely women out there that could care less about intimacy and they're not bothered by it. That is fine. I'm here for the women that are out there that are like, I don't want to be intimate with my partner. I think there's something wrong with me. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting how I feel about myself. That's who I'm here to, to talk to and bring them to the to the limelight of like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. And so there's that. And, and you know, and for those women out there that are struggling with it, you know, again, we, we kind of went through that roadmap of a lot of different little things. And again, I don't mean to make the sound such like, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. It's so complex. But there are definite like, you know, when I always ask women like, you know, answer these three things for me and start there. Like, how's your mindset? How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about your relationship? Do you feel appreciated? Are you, you know, how's your communication with your significant other? Um, and how's your stress level? You know, like, so are you feeling heard? Are you feeling like your needs are met? And again, how's your stress? So like generally speaking, hundred percent of the women I ask that question to, they're like, yeah, I have an issue with one, two or three mm-hmm. start there. Right. But when we start working on that, like, I want you to see the end of the road. Like, what are the benefits? Like, why do I even want it? Right? Like, I know I want it. I love my partner. I want to be intimate with him. But why? Number one, it burns calories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everybody's attention. I speak to my ladies out there because again, women come to me, weight gain. It's a great calorie burner. And it's probably one of the biggest stress relievers. So like two of the three things that women come to me with, like, Boom, boom. Like we can take care of those right away with just with just being intimate. Um, and you know, with that also it helps our immune system. Um, it actually helps ironically, I mean, they studied college students, it actually increases your antibodies, like so it boosts your immune system, um, your brain health, so you can think better, your heart health, mostly because of the stress reducing ability of sex, like your heart less heart attacks, less strokes, like all of the good things that come from a lower stress level. Um, it does actually help boost your testosterone, um, in both men and women and women, it does help with estrogen. So there is a little bit of a hormone boost there as well as oxytocin. Oxytocin is, is our love hormone and we can get it just by even 20 seconds of cuddling, like hugging. And that is actually what it does two things. When your your oxytocin goes up, your cortisol, which is our stress hormone, goes down. It's like on a little teeter-totter. So, you know, you find even hugging like your dog or your, your your kids or hanging out with your kids and laughing, like that all increases your oxytocin. So we want to do more of that to decrease our stress. I love that. Um, so you said 20 seconds or 20? Yeah, 20 seconds. Yeah. That's just amazing how that boosts your oxytocin like that quickly yep. with like 20 seconds of hugging your kid, you know, hugging your spouse, you know, petting your dog. Yep. Yep. And you know, it's got great anti-aging benefits. It helps you look younger. It helps you, you know, feel more confident. Like all of the things that we want as women, you know, we want to be less stressed. We want to look younger. We want to lose the weight. Like all that can be 
benef- side effects of, of intimacy and, and sex. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I really like how you said at the beginning, speaking to the heart of a woman and, and finding out what else is going on, not just, okay, you must have this broken about you, but you know, are you, are there communication issues? What is your stress level like? You know, I mean, cause obviously emotional inti- intimacy, sexual intimacy, those two go hand in hand. And so a lot of times something's broken when it comes to emotional intimacy. So a woman's like, there's no way I don't want to be connected with my partner because I, we're not clicking right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's something you have, you know, when I, I get a woman on the phone who wants to work with me and she says, I, I hate my husband. <laughs> I was like, okay, we got a bigger problem. Like, you know, and I, and I'm not going to say there's not something else going on, but I think again, the biggest thing we have to work on when you have like an obvious like resentment or like, you don't even want to be near your partner. Like why, you know, is there a communication issue? Is there, which is usually what it comes down to. You know, we as women think that men should read our minds. I, I speak for myself. Okay. I, I used to think that my husband should read my mind. And I'd get frustrated when he wouldn't do the things that I thought he should do that I'm saying in my head. Meanwhile, he doesn't have any clue because I look like I have it all together. So when I actually started to verbalize what I needed from him, and he now either does them automatically or he asks me, How can I help? huge benefit to our relationship because I'm not so stressed running around thinking I'm doing it all and not feeling appreciated Mm -hmm. and he's helping out when he can. So, you know, that is huge. And I kind of want to go back because the way I talk about libido for women, a lot of people think I'm going to come on and talk about like what's happening in the bedroom. There's enough experts out there that talk about that. I get women to want to get into the bedroom. The women I deal with, they don't even want to be touched. They don't want connection. They don't want, they want nothing to do with that bedroom. So I can't, they're not even in there. <laughs> so I have to right. actually work to the level of like, okay, why don't you want to get in there? And, um, you know, once, once we can get them in there, if there's any issues in the bedroom, well, then we can work on that. But like, I do think that there's a huge disservice to women on the outside of the bedroom. Cause we're not addressing why they don't even want to get in there and they're beating themselves up. Relationships are getting destroyed. Um, men are feeling like they're not loved. And I and I hear that, so that's why I can say it, because this woman feels like she's broken and needs to be fixed. And meanwhile, there's just mm-hmm. something I always say: low libido is just another symptom. There's something else going on that we just need to address. So important, it, it, yeah. It's just another symptom. Something else is going on. And I love how you take that again. That's that functional medicine approach, y'all. The functional medicine approach of why is this happening? Why does this woman not want to get into the bedroom? Excellent. But I mean, such a such a kind of a difficult, tricky, taboo subject. And you have, I think, made us all feel very encouraged. You've made us feel normal. Like there's not something, you know, we're not weird. We're not by ourselves in our in our feelings and our struggles with our health. And uh, you've made us look at hormone balance in a in a really in a new manner. And you pointed out some very key things that we can easily change. I have just absolutely loved our conversations, Dr. Renee. Thank you. I, I've really enjoyed having this conversation. And, you know, I just want to start the conversation with women, with their friends, like just start talking about it. You know, let's start taking the taboo out of low libido. Let's, and let's not normalize a low libido. Let's start talking about it and how we can help each other improve our libido to the level that we want it to be. Yes, definitely. Now tell us um, what resources you have available for our listeners. 
Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> I have so on many. my website. Yeah, I do have, um, I did have these very highly downloaded 100 libido boosting foods on my site, which should still be there, but I just replaced it with a libido type quiz, a quiz that I have spent two months working on because I want to give women a resource to start focusing on like what, okay, I have a low libido. There's so much information out there, a lot that's not helping me. Like where can I focus my time and energy to start to improve my energy? So I literally just put this quiz uh, out, out into the world. Uh, I think it went on my website today uh, as we're recording this um, at drreneewellenstein.com. So go to the website, be able to take the quiz. I actually give you not one, but two like pro tips on how to get started with improving your libido, depending on what your type is. Awesome. Awesome. Good, good, good. That is a, yep. a huge resource. And uh, give us the name of uh, where everyone can reach you, your website um, and social media, yep. et cetera. Yep. So uh, there's a ton of other free content on libido on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, I have a general holistic health podcast, The Real Heal, but across social media, I'm at Dr. Renee Wallenstein. And my website is drreneewallenstein.com. I love it. Thank you so much. And y'all, I will tell you, I've been listening to her podcast. It is one of my top favorites. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, but like this is one of my absolute favorites because it is so simple, easy to understand, down to earth. She's had excellent guests. Well, I'll be an excellent guest. She's a tremendous expert, but she's bringing in all of these other experts. And here's what's most important. They're, they're easy to understand. So that's very important for us. Otherwise, we shift into that, that level of overwhelm. So highly recommend her podcast, her website. It's very easy to get to. I will make sure that I have all of those links in the show notes so you for, can reference those easily. So Dr. Renee, this has been amazing. We recorded two episodes here and I can't wait to do the next one. I absolutely agree. I can't wait to meet again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good stuff, right? Good stuff. I am always going to port, point you towards real practical advice and encourage you to be your own best health advocate. So keep listening, click subscribe, and do me a favor, leave a review. And you know what? Don't forget, we're in this together. Bye, y'all.